Welcome to the 128 Podcast. I am Tommy West, your host. Uh, Today on the podcast, a good friend of mine that when I met her years ago, uh, within five minutes of knowing each other, our conversation just devolved into talking about Back to the Future and DeLoreans and all types of nerdy 80s pop culture. On the music side of things, uh, she's an amazing singer and songwriter and musician and artist. If you've never seen the music video for her track Hideaway, just stop listening to this and go watch that. It's a lot of fun. She is collaborated with dozens of artists over the years and is continuing to release music just constantly. All this despite lots of just roadblocks in her way over the years, including a car accident, which we'll talk about. But above all else, she is a super nice and fun person with a wonderful heart. This is Kaiza. So you're you're all locked up in Toronto right now. I am. Yes. In my fortress. I remember when the last time I one of the last times I saw you, you were you had just bought your house, which was an old church. Yep. Is that still where you are? It's where I am. (laughs) I'm in a church. Did you end? Up, did you ever end up like ripping stuff out and like making your own, or did you keep it I kind did, of the yeah. same way? And it's actually still under construction, so it's just like one of those things. When you get a new house, you just the moment you've done the things you thought you were going to do, then you see all these other things to do, and it's just like a never-ending project. So I just recently like ripped out all the walls in the stairwells because they were enclosed, and I opened them up, so it went from being closed stairwells to open stairwells, and I put a loft in. It still has some stuff to do because um. I mean, I, I was in L.A. all of last year. Were you in L.A. making music? I mean, did you, did you hear about the whole car crash and everything that I went through? Yeah. You know, what's funny. So um, and I wanted to wait to talk to you about it during this. But I and I and it's really funny because I went back and I looked. I had I think I heard from you and you told me that you were in an accident. But I didn't know the like it. it I think just over text messages, it was like, oh, yeah, I was like a little fender bender. Like it didn't sound like such like a big deal. And then, I, it's my fault. I I made I literally made it out to sound like it wasn't as bad as it was. Yeah. To everyone. Yeah. Um, and I, I, honestly, I didn't know how bad it was because I literally got in the accident, got mm. on a plane the next day. Jeez. And I was in shock, and I had I was very much stunned by the fact that my I guess I sustained a pretty bad traumatic brain injury. Yeah. It's just the swelling that happens with those. It happens progressively after the fact. Yeah. It's it's a bit of a cyclic thing or like a, a feedback loop. So your brain tries to go back to operate as normal, but then it's not functioning as normal. And so all these spiral effects start happening, the like snowball effects. So then in, th- in this case, my digestion was affected. My sleep was affected. And my, it was everything like autonomic immune system, basically. The things that I don't control consciously were a lot of the things that were affected in my body, which is very, very dangerous. Right. You know, um, because my immune system collapsed, my digestion stopped functioning. And it was like, it started, it started that I basically took a painkiller and got ulcers through my system. And from there I stopped being able to digest all these other things progressively because the, the information wasn't being fed back properly to my brain. And right. so that's like, they say often concussions 
or brain injuries, like it takes time to know how bad they are. And it's because of the snowball effect of your brain trying to do things. And then all these other things happen as a result. Like my balance wasn't, my balance wasn't working on the left side of my body properly. Okay. And as a result of that, the right side of my body started compensating. And then that started making problems in my neck and, you know, (laughs) yeah. and so that's how injuries after a car crash get worse and worse and worse. And in my case of my brain, there was tons of inexplainable things going on. Like I started seeing these giant purple orbs floating around rooms. (laughs) It was very, very psychedelic. So I'd be sitting there and there's just (laughs) be this giant orb of purple. Yeah. (laughs) Like it was like, I've never done any sort of any drugs at all. You know, I've never tried weed, nothing. Yeah. And I swear it was like, I was on psychedelics. So I was like, I don't ever have to take anything. Like, this is what it must be like. <laughs> was that the, was that like the trigger for you to be like, oh, I think I should go back to the doctor or was it the doctors? Else? And this is another thing is like, I waited months to go to a specialist, went into the specialist and walked out with ibuprofen. What? Like, they, you know, the specialist will scan like specialists and doctors. They look for physical things. Yeah. Like they're looking for the physical damage. Like they're looking if they need to do surgery or a blood clot that they need to remove. Like, the structural things that they can see. But when it comes to the brain and how it functions, because everything that's going on is basically microscopic. Yeah. They don't know what they're, t- they don't know anything. Like they, they know very little. And I ended up going to tons of brain conferences and meeting up with this huge community of neuroscientists that get together twice a year to try to f- speed up the progress of understanding the brain. And they share their information actually, which is so cool. It's like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, Hey, I, I, st- I've discovered this. And the other guys, like, I discovered this. And they're like, how can we come together and make this a bigger understanding? Yeah. And it's really, really cool. And I learned a lot of stuff there, but what I did really learn was that even these world, the, the world's leading neuroscientists still don't know much about the brain <laughs> and it's yeah. because everything's microscopic. They can't see it. So and it's it's like trillions and trillions of cells communicating together. It's beyond our grasp. Yeah. You know, we can't trace it all. We don't. It's there's more. I think there's more neurons in our brain than there are stars in the solar system. Yeah, that's crazy. So if you think about trying to understand those connections, like we can't. <laughs> you can't yeah. even imagine what a trillion looks like. You know. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there aren't even a trillion people on this planet, and I can't even imagine what a billion people looks like. So. So how long, how, how long was that entire process for you? Cause it's like you said, it wasn't until a couple months later that you went to the doctor and even then they didn't really seem to well, understand. You know what's crazy full- is I, I had just gotten a doctor and I hadn't seen her for the first time. Then I got in the car crash and then I basically booked an appointment to see my doctor hmm. and I couldn't make it because of the injuries I sustained from the car crash. I just couldn't get out of bed that day. And my doctors dropped me. And they refused to take me after that. I was so pissed. I was like, why would you do that? Like, I'm telling you, I didn't make it because of a brain injury. And they're like, no, if you, if they miss an appointment, we drop them. And I was like, oh, "Oh, great. Like, so I got really mad at the healthcare system. Yeah. And you know, I went, I went, you wait, you know, I'm very grateful for free healthcare in Canada, but at the same time you wait months to see a specialist and then when you walk, when you, when you're waiting to figure out what's wrong with you, you walk in and they, they still don't know. Like, I remember they, they looked at all my reports and they're like, this is really concerning. Yeah. Like we're, we're really worried. <laughs> um, here's some ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I was like, wait, 
what do you mean? Here's some ibuprofen. You just said that they, they, like they were like, these are not normal things going on. Yeah. Like it's very normal to lose your balance. Yeah. It's not normal to always fall to the left. <laughs> like apparently <laughs> like I would, if I close my eyes, I just topple over to the left. Um, really? I still kind of, yeah. It's a lot of compensation happened. Cause if I have a glass of wine, I completely lose my balance again. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a party trick. If you get me drunk, I'll, it would have been better if, like, if you drink wine and lose your balance the other way just to balance it out. Then you could have just. Right. I wish. Yeah. Then I'd be. Then I'd end up being an alcoholic on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the what I think is going on is I think my body and my brain have found a way to compensate for the balance I lost. Like my yeah. muscles have just figured it out that your body's so amazing at doing that. And so, um, but then it causes all these other issues and. Um, I've been dealing with that and honestly, I've learned a lot about healing a brain just by being so resilient. Yeah. Um, I have a very, very high pain tolerance, like abnormally high. And really? Did you oh, always yeah. have, I mean, did you always have that? Or? I always have. Yeah. I got yeah. it from my grandpa. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, we, we can have like really, really hot drinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, because of that, I was able to actually push through this injury without any painkillers, but also even though I was in a lot of pain, like 12 out of 10 pain, yeah, I was able to still, um, just sort of like work, like self problem solve. Like I was able yeah. to be my own detective, even though it really, really, really hurt to read. I would still allow myself to read enough to just like get, like I got so good at skimming a page. Cause I can't, I can't sit and trace a page, but I can skim really well for like keywords. Yeah. And I had to learn to do that because um, reading is something that hasn't come back for me. Like, really? it's really hard to trace in a, in a line with my brain still. And I have to go into rehab for that next, basically, wow. because, yeah, I mean, some things just correct themselves and some things you have to actually like relearn. And so I have to reteach my brain how to trace a page, basically. Well, I was going to say, how does that, how does that impact, you know, you being a songwriter? That, I mean, that's got a... Well, the, the nice thing is like writing songs doesn't require tracing a page and there's all this really great technology where I can just speak the words into my phone. Yeah. And like, I can, I can read really slowly. I can trace a page, but it's very slow and it hurts yeah. my head. It, I get really bad at headaches from it. And oh, it sort of, it's like my whole team knows that if they make me read a bunch of stuff that I have to cancel a lot of other things. So, yeah. um, so often they'll read things out to me or I'll just, you know, put things off. So communication is, has slowed down, but the, yeah. The great thing is, is my team is very understanding and yeah, they're all behind me and so supportive. Well, what's funny too, is we were, I think we were supposed to record this a couple days ago and your team reached out and they were like, uh, Kaiser's head hurts. So can we do it different? I was like, yeah, of course. But like, I can only imagine cause like, especially, and this isn't a segue, but like you just, you just released uh, new music, uh, not that long ago. And I'm sure you're doing some of those rounds too. And that's gotta be a little painful to have to like go through and yeah. do that kind of stuff right now too. Yeah. And a lot of it is the reading factors that I'm going through mixes right now and I can't be in the room with anyone. It's all yeah. through text, audio, you know, and I'm trying to get on the phone as much as I can, Yeah. but there's a lot of just people writing back and forth. And so I'm constantly having to be in the situation where I'm reading and it's crashing my head. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, it's it, it, like it, um, it also crashes my immune system and my digestion when I, when my head gets tired. So I've actually noticed like, like I'm worried about it right now with a virus going around being yeah. too exhausted and not like being more susceptible. So I'm being very careful. Yeah. 
but yeah, so, um, yeah, it's honestly, it's, it's a balancing act if I've ever had to do one. It's like tightrope walking, yeah. but for me, it's, I have to do it. My music is my reason for existing and I love to perform. And honestly, like I'm able to give to the world through music. Like yeah. it allows me to not only just give people like express p- emotions that people relate to through music, but like it, like right now I'm working on a project for the first responders through music, you know, and there's a whole, there's a whole thing I'm going to put out next week that like I'm able to do because of music and, yeah. and I really want to put my life and devote my life through music to really trying to leave the world better than how I found it, you know? And yeah. Yes. And especially after this whole car crash situation, when I almost lost my life, it yeah. really woke me up and I was like, okay, I have limited time on this planet. I really want to use it to, yeah. the, you know, the, the best, to the best of my abilities or just do the best I can while I'm here. Uh, the saddest question I have to ask now too is, do you still have your DeLorean? Okay. So there is <laughs> even a post on my, <laughs> I don't know if you read that post where I was like really sad and I was like, I might have to sell my DeLorean. <laughs> yeah. I actually posted and I, I, I still have my DeLorean. I've been holding on to my DeLorean because I basically got my DeLorean. Yeah. And then not too long after I got in this crash and haven't been able to drive it. Yeah. But you know how much I love DeLoreans. I mean, you of all yeah. people sat there discussing passionately oh. about DeLoreans yeah. with me. That was, so. that was our, our first interaction was me calling the president of DeLorean Motor Company and being like, I have someone you need to talk to right now. Can we um, actually call him again? <laughs> 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 Literally my DeLorean is, has mm. like kept me going, like knowing yeah. that it was there for me to pick up and drive. Yeah. Like is has is literally been my happy place to come back from this injury. And I was like, my, like, I'll know that I'm healed when I'm back in my DeLorean just driving down the road. Cause even, um, doing stick shift is like, it's a process on the brain. Yeah. So I've been scared to do stick shift again. I haven't driven it since the DeLorean and now because it hasn't been driven, it needs to be, have some repairs. Yeah. So, um, maybe that's where they can sponsor me on fixing my DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that was the other thing too. And you know, you know, you know how I feel about talking about music. Well, I'll talk about it, but it's, it's, I'd rather talk about the DeLoreans, but I can't, I can't not make the connection that your new music definitely Dude. has like an eighties DeLorean music. <laughs> yeah. It, it basically is like you sat, I can imagine you sitting in the DeLorean and writing the music yep. based on you sitting in that car. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I ever, I don't know if it was part of our conversation, but I was like, I, when I got the car, I was like, I want to make music that belongs in a DeLorean. No, we never, you can, you like, never said that to me. drive a DeLorean and you can like, it's like, this is the music you put on when you play, when you're in your DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, so. it's like, I love the DeLorean and it's been really, really heartbreaking for me to not be able to drive it. Cause I, I have all these visions of the things I want to do in it and like rolling up to like red carpets and like yeah. <laughs> opening up the door and having like a fog machine inside and like, yeah, just buckets <laughs> you know? of dry ice just as you like inside the yeah, car. Yeah, just like f- ridiculous stuff. And that's yeah. all going to happen. And as soon as yeah. borders open up again, it's like this is going down. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, let's call Let's call up the head of DeLorean, please. And be like, hey, can Absolutely. you sponsor the, maybe they'll sponsor the repair of my DeLorean. And then I'll just like blast <laughs> the hell out of DeLoreans for the rest of my life. I, I saw a picture today of like a DeLorean uh, and it's really funny. Like, I see stuff like this all the time and this is where my head goes. I saw a picture of a DeLorean um, limo and all I oh, can. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. But all I can think about is like, yeah, but they had to like take five different DeLoreans and chop and them up to make them. that one. And that makes my heart hurt. 
I know. And even when people paint the, the DeLoreans, I'm like, oh, how yeah. could you? Yeah. <laughs> like, how could you do? It's, I was yeah. like such a, I was such a, like a DeLorean snob. Yeah. I was like driving down the road <laughs> and somebody's like 83 mile gigahertz, you know? Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> 88 loser. Yeah. No, I didn't say loser, but I was like, what? It's yeah. like, you got your DeLorean numbers wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> watch back to the future. Oh God. Like, well, sp- yeah. speaking, speaking of which, um, now we can, now we can segue into other stuff. We'll talk about music a little bit more, but, uh, speaking of watching, like are, while you're, while we're all locked up, um, are you binging anything right now? Oh my gosh. I have to stop. Like I'm literally about to put my TV in storage. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, I have so much work to do, Tommy. It's yeah. crazy. Like I'm finishing my album. I'm supposed to deliver it. But at the same time, I'm stuck in the same room with the same walls. Yeah. Like I don't see anyone. I have one setup with my guitar player where like he's pretty close by him and his fiance and yeah. they don't see anyone. I don't see anyone. We've been quarantining and he does live streams with me. Yeah. And that's it. Like, yeah, I've been near anyone else. And so that has its own like isolating yeah vibes and it, it like really gets hard to feel motivated and i've i'm such a motivated person like i've never really i did deal with this with the concussion and i think i think where i'm actually struggling the most is i'm getting flashbacks to the worst part of it which by like, just being in this scenario cuz it's it's reminding me of that of just sort of being trapped but it's yeah. also been good because i've been avoiding those those memories you know yeah i've sort of stuffed them down and it's forcing me to just process them. Yeah. And then because I'm now in a position, like before I was in a, I was in no position to do anything. I was stuck. I was literally physically incapable of doing anything, but now I'm actually like, I'm in many ways back to normal. I'm still recovering in many other ways, but at the same time, I'm able to actually do something about it now. Yeah. Like, okay, I can, I can clean my house. I can do, I can like do a lot of things within the house that I was, unable to do before. So, um, it's good. I'm able to process, but yeah. yeah, I've been binging. So I watched all of Gilmore girls cause I hadn't seen it, which is like seven seasons. It's, it, you know, it's funny. The dialogue of 22 that episodes. Show. <laughs> it's just like seven seasons of 22 <laughs> episodes. So I had watched a bit before. Yeah. But, but the dialogue oh, on that show is like it's brilliant. It's, it, it, it's so snappy. Like, uh, I know well, I forget, I forget the actress's name, the mother on that show. Uh, Lorelai. Laura, yeah. She is yeah. amazing. Like in anything she's ever in. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is about her. That's, I've never seen her in anything else, but yeah, she was brilliant. And yeah. Kirk, the guy who plays Kirk. Oh yeah. You know who that is, right? Uh, I mean, well, it's more of a, his brother. Oh. whose name I'm also blanking on right now. His, so his brother is James Gunn. Who oh, is, what? Yeah. Right. Cause he's Sean Gunn. Yeah. So and he so he's in like all the Guardians of the Galaxy movies that his brother directed. Oh, what? Wait. So that that that's a really great what? segue though, because I've been meaning to ask you a question for a really long time. I don't even know if you can answer the question still. Uh, yeah. Years ago, when we were working together, you went on an audition for some superhero movie, and I remember you came in. You came right from the audition. Oh, for and- Star Wars. That's what it was. I no, see. okay. So yeah, I mean, okay. In like a string, I had this moment where I got okay. I auditioned for Deadpool. All right, that's got to be the one. Let me tell you something. Wait, before you continue, you came dressed in all black, right? <laughs> oh, and you yeah. were like, I just interviewed. I just I did a uh, audition for uh, some superhero movie. I can't talk about it, which I can even attest right now. You can use this as proof. 
you were so like lick like lips locked about what you you auditioned for and <laughs> i i did the timeline and like later i'm like Shh, that had to be deadpool based on what she was wearing and the character i think i know what she was uh, auditioning for but she never told me but it's it, I, it had to be that yeah one. it was it was that deadpool and yeah. i auditioned for han solo the han solo movie yeah as well and i auditioned for gosh i think it was a guardian of guardians of the galaxy movie as oh, well wow. let me just i'm just putting all of them together in my yeah. head the girl with the the, the shaved head oh um that yeah what's her name uh, i i can now i'm forgetting yeah but um i remember some mention of having to shave my head and if i would be up for that and i was like i can't really do that because of my <laughs> music career it's like my hair is like my oh, was it career. nebula I think so. Yeah, Gosh, Karen uh, Gillian got that, right? Yeah, I was like, I don't yeah. know how I feel about shaving my head. But <laughs> um, yeah, and it's funny because like I, every time I get an audition, it's not yeah. a small audition. It's a massive audition for the lead role of some yeah. action movie. And I'm up <laughs> against like, I'm literally up against the biggest stars in the world. And like yeah. one of the roles I auditioned for, uh, Amelia uh, from literally uh game of thrones ended up getting that position i was like i was up against her like what was it what were they even thinking like oh man Wait, <laughs> but like, is it is it funny for you to see because like you go into those auditions and most of the time because you're trying to put your own spin on it i remember the what i'm now confirmed it was had to be the deadpool in uh, uh i keep calling interviews the, oh, uh, i auditioned for another one uh as well i wonder if it could have been that and i don't know if it's even out but there was another one as well. Gosh, well, I, I seriously get so many action movie auditions and I don't even have a headshot. I do yeah. not have an agent or a headshot. <laughs> I don't know where they're getting this from. I don't know where, who they're yeah. going to. And like, they're just somehow I'm, they're just like, we'd like you to audition. And it's like, my friends are like, you should really consider acting when they're coming to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you know, like music is my, like, it's literally like my, my life. It's like my yeah. blood like pumps to make music <laughs> and I would totally do a role. I just yeah. like, I'm not going to put more energy into that than the music, unless it's like just, just the right role, you know? Yeah. I, I get but, that, but yeah, like I'm not going to get, let's say I'm not going to like give up music for the acting, but I would definitely like, if it all feeds together, I'll definitely do a, a role yeah. for sure. Well, well, <laughs> but I was like, I, I was complaining. Cause I was like, can, can I just get like a supporting actress role? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Can we, can we like, can I put my toe in the water, yeah. you know, instead but, of something, cause they're like signing contracts. Like we need you for the next three years of your life. Yeah. And like, you know, yeah, but at least yeah, I, but, I'll give you credit though. At least you're, you're sticking to your guns and being like, yeah, music is my, like music comes first. Like you're not going to transition into acting because they just called you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to give up music. Yeah. For acting. I would definitely let the, I definitely would take on a role and like work work things around it. But I mean, I don't, I, I literally, my life snowballed into music. Like music was something that I, it was like a healing mechanism that yeah. really, really helped me through some really hard times in my life. And it started just helping other people. And then it just kept growing as a result of this process. And, and I feel like that's literally what I have to give to the world. Yeah. And it's, it, it always comes straight from me. Like this is me absorbing information, absorbing the world around me, but then I digest it and I, I put it out in a new way 
that resonates with people. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I always feel like that literally is my purpose on this planet. And I guess acting would be more like something that would just be fun to do. And I'm sure I could, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't get just as passionate about it, but like music will never, it will, I'll never put down. It's your first love. Yeah. It's just sort of like my reason for existing. And well, just, just so I can have closure here, because this is, this is like, I, the fact that you sort of confirm my suspicions makes me feel so much better. You came in and you were dressed in all black and you, I think you even said you're like, I just went through my closet and found everything black that I own because I'm supposed to be the <laughs> bad, uh, the, the villain in a superhero movie yeah. and was the role for angel dust in, in Deadpool. Was that what it was? I think so. Okay. That because it makes complete sense because you go see that movie. Yeah, and I'm they like, never, they never exactly, they never fully confirmed it, but yes, yeah. I mean, they never like, cause even in the script, it didn't have like the names. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming so. Damn. And then what about, uh, th- cause that's, that's my question too, is like, do you then go watch these movies or TV shows or whatever? And then be like, Oh man, cause you going in, they keep you a little bit blind to what it's real, what it really is. And then you go see yeah. the interpretation of the person that got it. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, that's different. Yeah. Cause I auditioned for Blade Runner too. <laughs> oh really? I auditioned for the lead role of Blade Runner. Yeah. Whoa. Like when I say like people come to me for with action movies, like yeah. every single one of them, like I, <laughs> Like it's, 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 it's like, it's my own internal joke. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I just, I have to take on one of these roles at some point because like, yeah. it's like, it's like destiny is just like, Hey, here's another lead role audition. Ha <laughs> ha. You should probably get a headshot. Yeah. I'm like, I just don't think I should get a headshot. Cause it's really working for me not having one. <laughs> you're, you're, you're like just this, because you know what it is? I, I'll tell you exactly what it is. This is, oh, this is at least my, my guess. It's it's your fellow Canadians who work in Hollywood. That's what it is. It's your <laughs> fellow Canadians trying to pull another fellow Canadian and be like, oh, no, no. She's like this undiscovered little gem that no one knows about <laughs> in the world of movies and TV now. Like taking you and being like, oh, wow, she was just this singer. We all know her for music and now she can act like they're all trying to pull you in. That's what it is. I mean, I'll do. I'll, listen, you and I should do a movie like that. I feel like if you and I wrote oh a sci fi movie. Oh, my see, God. You know what I've really wanted to do? And I've been like, I've actually pulled a lot of musicians together and they've committed. Mm-hmm. If I ever want to do this, I want to do a sci-fi Western where all only musicians are the actors. Okay. <laughs> and I have like a handful of that. ridiculous, like amazing musicians who have basically, cause musicians often aren't like the world's best actors when you give them a script, but yeah. almost all musicians have some role that they can play. Like they've developed like their own alter ego or yeah. they, They've like have one character voice that they can do yeah. really well. Like it's, it's a thread. So I'm like, yeah, based on all the musicians I know, I'm like, Hey, what character can you play? Yeah. And then they give me some voice and I'm like, perfect. I'll build that character. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, like there's some like pretty heavy hitting people who are like, okay, I want to be in this Western. Cause they're all like, I swear, like every musician secretly dreams of being in a Western movie. Why Westerns? It's just, I don't know. Like you just, I don't know. Maybe something about like making music. You just like envision yourself as an outlaw on a horseback (laughs) with pistols. And they're all like very specific about what they want to play. Some are just like, yep, I, I need to be the bad cowboy. Yeah. Or one's like, I'm, I've like always needed to rob a bank. Oh my (laughs) God. Do a heist movie. Well, like, and then like every single one is like, yeah, I will definitely be in the Western, but only if there's aliens involved. 
So it's got to be like, like like Star Wars, basically. So it's a sci-fi Western. And it's it's honestly like I haven't started writing the script yet, but I definitely have way <laughs> too many people that want to be in it. And they're yeah. all like very, very established musicians. And yeah. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I could actually just get like funding for this right away. Now you're committed to it with the names attached to just on that with, with just, yeah. you know, you, you, I you mean, I is- would pay to see every like heavy hitting musician yeah. That I can think of just acting in a Western movie. You just I need like, what, just, like a log line now just to like be like, you know, yeah. musicians in a Western is, in space. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is like musicians, the way that their brains work, um, it's a different process than I'd say like the average acting approach. And yeah. so you have to like approach a movie with musicians the way that you approach music yeah. in the studio and just create it a little differently, like on the fly in the moment, you know? So I just think that'd be a really, really cool yeah. project. And if you want to do it with me, Tommy, I, I want to do a, I, any project you'd ever want to have me on. I'm there 110%. <laughs> like some of the sets we've found for this, like we already have the space station scouted. Oh man. Wait, I'm looking, I'm looking up while we're talking. I'm simultaneously looking up the space headquarters that we're shooting that have already been scouted for this sci-fi Western movie. You know, by the way, I think you're missing you're missing like a, a weird backdoor pilot here. All you have to really do is just make a bunch of music that and just film it, like film your music videos in sequence to create a movie out of it. Well, that's the thing. Like we already know for certain it's going to be like the most badass soundtrack ever. Yeah. All the musicians <laughs> in it are going to be making the music. Yeah. So like it's and the music is such a big part of a, a film. And so we just like it's already got like such a great soundtrack yeah and it doesn't exist yet <laughs> you ever yeah. went lined up which by the way i gotta i don't know if i ever shared this story with you uh it's a little bit of a segue but um i you were a part of like probably one of my most intense happiest memories what? like inadvertent yeah so um what happened was and, and i think like this was like a definition to me of like my my entry into the world of EDM like I was always an EDM fan but like being on the radio and a, and a host and all this other stuff um it was my first EDC Vegas that I went to that I flew out to it was just the song like the the Jack U track was like pumping from like and I was like 30 30 stories up in the sky at like the Cosmopolitan <laughs> in Vegas and I just like sat on the balcony in awe like looking down as everyone was partying it was my first ever time in Vegas and I was there for EDC Vegas and I was doing my radio show from my hotel room at the time. The sound itself is like, is like very bassy. It's got that, that pumping drive to it. And then it's just yeah. your voice just blaring. And I, I'm, I'm not going to do an impression of your voice on that, that song on take me there, but it was just that it, like, just like, like bouncing off the walls of all the hotels around down to, uh, the strip. Whoa, um, that's so cool. And I think it was like that summer. Was that the same year as hideaway? It was hideaway. The year after it. Yeah, that was no, no, no that was during Hideaway. So it, it yeah. happened as a result of Hideaway because I was touring and then yeah. I went to Ibiza. <laughs> I was there and I was at Ushuaia, you know, classic. And then Diplo and Skrillex were there and they had heard Hideaway and they loved it. And they they came up to me and watched my set and yeah. I came off the stage. <laughs> yeah. And um, and they're like, oh, hey. And so I was like, oh, I know you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And um, they're like, yeah, I want to come to our hotel room and make music. And I was like, oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, let's go. And so I just went to Skrillex's hotel room with him and yeah. Diplo and 
we sat in an empty hot tub talking about Godzilla because that's what, you know, you know me, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get to some nerdy topic no matter what, yeah. whether they want it or not. And then we were just like, oh, we should probably write a song because Skrillex travels with all his recording equipment. And yeah. Literally in the hotel room, we just made that. And then they put that out pretty soon after. So it was simultaneously going alongside Hideaway. Yeah, there was a there was a few vocalists they had on that on that little mini album they did that were amazing. And that was like yeah. that summer. I don't know. I still go back to my Spotify where it's like, what was it like 2016, 2015? Like, I don't know. Uh, what, I think that's early. I mean, it was like end of 2014 or 2015. It's like, I yeah, to, I'd have to get I have to go back because it's all like a blur now. But I I. But I pull up yeah. that playlist from that year all the time. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to stick around that year. <laughs> but that's amazing. And then you guys did the video too. Was the video afterwards? Yeah. Well, we like, they assembled all this live footage basically. And they like, I went over to Diplo's place and him and Skrillex had a shared studio at the time. Yeah. And it was this big space. And so I just went and stopped by Yeah, and um, then they're like, yeah, we got a red camera. Let's just run around and make a video. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is how you guys make videos? Like, yeah. cool. That's so easy. And they were like, so, yeah, we just literally ran around town and like filming crap. And like, so wait, it was really, it was really fun. There's that clip. There's that part of the video where like, they're like the police are stop you or whatever. Yeah, and that, that was, was legit. That's legit. And it's a, it was way longer than that. We were like, oh yeah, no, we're just filming for a school project. And we're just, <laughs> they're like, of course we're like not 16. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we have no, but like, seriously, we had giant blow up boxing gloves. Yeah. And like a giant ball and like all this like blow up stuff. And we were like beating each other up with yeah. giant boxing gloves in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of this footage did not make the video, but it's oh, like somebody should find it and put it online. By the way, Tommy, look at your text messages. I did. I did. Yeah. So wait, you and I got to I got to share this picture so other people can see it. But it's well, no, like, no, you can't yet. This is it's got it. This is. This oh, is, this is private. This is the space station for the Western. Wait, where? Where? So where is this? It's I can't reveal the location. <laughs> it's, it's nobody can know. OK, it's like top secret, but they will eventually see this. But I'm sending. But you can yeah. just like vouch right now that this is like a really badass that is so cool because it looks it you know what's funny is there's not a lot of things that both simultaneous i except for the door the door is the only thing i'm going to say seems out of place we have to we have to set dress that aside yep. from that this is the most sci-fi western thing that i've ever seen like yeah, at the same and the time inside is also really crazy is it like it has, a place people like, rent out to like stay there for the it, weekend or something no it's it, like this crazy person owns it okay. and nobody gets to go in except for like, if you know this person, but the funny thing is, is inside of it, mm -hmm. like the stairwell yeah. is designed for a giant. It's like these giant stairs that if you were a giant, you would build stairs this size, but they've just decided to, to go with that <laughs> as the interior like design. It's just like, it's yeah. really interesting, but Wait, I just saw it and I was like, this? um, I have, I have, um, I have connections. <laughs> <laughs> oh, i man. have connections um but yeah so this is the space headquarters for for the western movie that i am currently working on i'm excited about it which i'm bringing you into i'm i'm in uh, whatever you need me at. i can i'll be i'll be the the grip the best boy i don't know what those things they do but i'll be that person um oh oh my gosh but you need to be in it you want to be in it in it 
Okay. You should be, yeah. You should definitely find something. Yeah. A character. I, I'll wear the CG suit or I'll, I'll, I'll wear prosthetics. Oh my God, can you? Yeah. Can you be like, like, like what? Um, Sean, Sean Gunn. Gunn. <laughs> you'll be, you'll be like Rocky Raccoon, Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> But we'll fi- we'll figure out a different creature for you to be. Yeah, and it will just be like behind the scenes shots of you in like green screen spandex. <laughs> oh God, that that makes me cringe a little and bit. Then we'll but make I'll a do documentary it you. about you yeah. in spandex. Well, I mean, I could do the voiceover at least. I guess I can I can yeah. voice the creature and and like act it, and then you could CG it. So it won't be me physically, sort of. We need like we need you to be like a, a desert, like what's a, a desert creature. I don't like, well, it is, it, it, or it's, it could be, or it could be a horse or it could be like a, but it's also sci-fi, right? So it could be, it could be an alien, right? I could be an alien. I could be, but I mean, a, rocket raccoon is a sci-fi, but he's not a sci-fi creature. So there's, you can be whoever you want. Like, this is the point is you can be, you can, you tell me who you want to be. So, and you're like, I'm going to be a gecko. And then I'll be like, okay, that's a good point. I was going to say <laughs> the easy thing to say for like, you know, sci-fi Western would be a horse, but then I'm like, yeah, but then you're going to make me like, like stand on like my feet and arms all day and like like a horse no but this could be a horse that walks on two feet (laughs) like bojack horseman in in our everything flies in this video so if you're like i want to be a horse but i walk on two feet that's good that's it oh and you're like a horse who wants to be a wants to be a man (laughs) (laughs) that's my desire that's my that's my inspiration as a character yeah i want to be a human more than anything you want to be a human a human (laughs) you want to be an outlaw Oh yeah. man! But wait, you you skirted a question I asked you before, and I and now I want to know because I want to know the inspiration behind these things. What are you watching? I'm kind of like going through. Oh, okay, oh, you said Gilmore so, Girls, so you didn't skirt it necessarily. Yeah, like that's not. See, I wouldn't normally have clicked Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Because it just wouldn't have like because you know I'll, I'll probably go for like the space movie or something. Yeah. But a lot of my friends told me the script and the writing of that was amazing. Yeah, it was. And I'm really into good writing and good scripts, and um. So I was like, let me just give this a shot. And I loved it. I really loved, I yeah. loved the characters. I loved, I mean, my favorite characters were definitely Lorelai and Kirk for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody else like works because of them. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was awesome. What did I just start? You know what? I actually just started and it's super random as well. I can't, I don't, I forget what it's even called because it's in Spanish. Oh, what? Um, oh, there's like a ton. What is it that all of a sudden Netflix decided we're just going to throw a bunch of dubbed Spanish movies and TV <laughs> shows on? Just, you know what? I don't think North America has been very open to foreign content yeah. forever, <laughs> you know? And suddenly like li- like Latin American music's really seeping its way in. Yeah. And But the thing is, is there's all these amazing movies internationally that people in North America are like, I don't want to read subtitles, but yeah. they're amazing. And I think they're starting to seep in as a result of music opening up. Yeah. Well, we had parasite too. Like I haven't that. seen parasite. I need to see that. Is well, ever, I, I feel like that got people comfortable enough to be like, I'm going to just watch a movie with subtitles now. Yeah. And like one of my favorite movies ever is life is beautiful, which is oh, all yeah. in Italian. Yeah. I just think it's so incredible. It's like the best movie ever made on how perspective can change everything. Like this man gets his son through the Holocaust yeah. by just making him believe it's a game. Like yeah. it's just like it, yeah. it really changed me. I'm like, wow, perspective yeah. is everything. And I literally it made me rethink my whole existence. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm only like pissed off now because of my head is telling me I'm pissed off. You know, like yeah. I don't need to be pissed off. Yeah. I can change my perspective. And that movie was a big part of me being like, 
wow, I don't, it's like my perspective is in my control. Wait, so, so what are some other movies on your like top list like that then? Uh, gosh, I'm like blinking the moment you say that. Uh, okay. I'm like, I'm like avoiding all the sci-fi ones right now, but, um, you know what I really loved? I keep watching it and it's going to sound, make me sound like such a chick. No. What? I love, (laughs) I don't know why I love Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley. It's funny. I know that movie from one scene, which is like the scene of like the rain coming down on the guy. That's about as best as I can subscribe. Yeah. And he's like, his like love scene. It's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's like really, um, it's a long movie. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I, I've watched it so many times. Yeah. It brings me, and you know, it's probably cause I love the book. Um, okay. Yeah. The story it's, it's, I mean, it's a powerful story and they, they had an amazing story to work with. I love, I love the way it was shot. Yeah. I just think it was so well done. I'm trying to think, I remember it, um, I remember having a, a perspective shift with that one. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. And it was to do with the story. Like it, it never hit me like with the book until like I really watched it in action. And I'm like blinking on what that key moment was, but it was, um, you know, it's like a really strong female character who sticks yeah. to her own. And um, I think it was like, I think it, I think it made <clears throat> me think about like the, the opinions we, project onto other people mm-hmm. around us. Yeah. And um, it's so easy to like draw assumptions about everybody around us. And, and we can get really locked into those assumptions when really they're not, they're really not the truth. Yeah. And how we have to like always be open to shifting our perspective. Yeah. Again, it's like coming back to perspective. We have to, we have to always even though we might have arrived at some sort of an idea and it feels like the closest thing to the truth, it's really important to remain open to the possibility of change or the possibility of that. We might all like be wrong about everything. And that's the only way we'll, we'll ever keep moving towards the truth. Oh yeah. Because we always have like a little piece of it, but we never have the full truth. And like, I notice people get really stuck. Yeah. They, they get stuck. Like, especially um, a lot of like, older people they've like arrived at like their belief and then they stop there and then that's it forever and they start instead of like like when we're young we're like searching right we're like i need to find the truth and then at some point a lot of people just hit what they've decided is the truth and then they start resisting yeah you know they stop searching and stop going on that journey and now they're like this is it and they become resistant to new ideas and then it sort of implodes internally and the I think it's important like moving through life to always keep that open perspective and always be open to change and always, always be growing. And I'm not saying all people do that when they get older and (laughs) a lot of young people arrive at that place very young and they stop, you know? So, but I know what you mean. And the the thing is too, there's a lot of people just, they, they dig their heels in and they're not open to that change. But like, I think that's what separates certain people from other people. I, I have a lot of friends where we do that. And it's also, it's, it tends to be the people, the people that are also very self-reflective. It's not just about yeah. ideas of the world or other people. It's about ideas about yourself as well. Where if someone, yeah. if someone came to you and said, you know what, like, I don't like the way you did this. Yeah. If you're the type of person who'd be like, well, screw you. Or the, or yeah. if you're the type of person to be like, oh, wow, well, what was your perspective and want to know 
you might come to the conclusion of like, oh, you're just a jerk and you're wrong. But at least yeah. if you're if you're self-reflect enough to judge like whether or not that was a right call or like just allow the question, yeah. basically. That's really interesting you say that because when I was going through the injury and I had nothing to do and no one to basically distract myself with. And, you know, it's it, it, we don't even realize how much we deflect from ourselves and put onto other people and put yeah. into the world just simply because it's there because yeah. we, because we we can. Yeah. But when you can't do that and there's nobody around you and you're literally locked in a room alone with nothing to do, yeah. the only person you can attack is yourself. So you start like attacking yourself. Yeah. And then after you've had enough time in my case, I had so much time. <laughs> um, I started being like, wait, why am I attacking myself? And I realized, well, wait, I have nowhere else to put this, these ideas and these thoughts and these blame or whatever. And then I realized like, wait, all this stuff that's coming at me was stuff that used to be going out at other people or other places. It, like, and now it's coming at me because I can't put it there, but why is it coming at me right now? And what is this within myself that I need to work on? And it started being this whole growth process. And then when I started socializing more, anytime I started to feel frustrated or weird in a situation with a person, instead of being like, wow, this person's like a, a certain way or like form, instead of forming an opinion about that person, mm -hmm. before I ever form an opinion about anyone, I first look at why it's frustrating myself internally. Then I try to work on that. Then I reapproach the person with a new perspective. And if I still say that, feel the same way, then I consider, you know, is this person healthy or not? But if I, but I'd say 99% of the times I can resolve it within myself. Yeah. So did you, did so you, yeah. when, and, and your height, we were just talking about like a lot about like 2014, like yeah. during that height, I have to assume you had a lot of that when you were in like the label system and, and doing touring and like running into people and, and all of that was, that was going on at once. You were getting thrown in front of me like, Hey, like here, talk to the radio host. Um, I have to imagine that you had a little bit of that questioning at the time. I, I, I'm assuming. Yeah. I, it was a weird situation because I had sort of come up with the idea that I was going to be a songwriter and write for other people. And yeah. like, that's what I was doing as for my career. And then I wrote hideaway and it was just like, wow, this sounds perfect with my voice. Like I don't even hear this with anyone else. So let me just put this out. And then it exploded, you know? Yeah. Um, and then suddenly I was, I went from this perspective of being behind the scenes to suddenly being right in front of the scenes. Yeah. And I had a whole history of being a performer. So I was like, okay, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might as well run with this and I can perform. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like, I'm going to go with this. Um, and then it just sort of like exploded in my face. Like it went so much bigger than I could have ever been prepared for. Yeah. And then of course, because of that, like, I mean, it's really, really unbalanced that situation because Everybody around you su suddenly is either working for you and is always like telling you, making you feel good or saying what they think you want them to say right. just so that they, they don't want to like get fired or something. You know, yeah. it's a weird position when everyone around you is actually employed by you. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else is just like a lot of people put you on a pedestal just simply because they're fans. Yeah. So you're being like worshipped like a god by some people, like yeah. literally. It's so weird because yeah. people are like, wow, she's this. And I'm like. Holy cow. Like yeah. <laughs> that's like, that is so far out there and like, so not true. Like it's almost as, it's almost as destructive as the, the, the negative stuff that people say, because it, because I think a lot of people put in that position actually start believing the things that people say and the worship yeah. mentality. And they're like, well, maybe I am this godlike creature and they stop viewing themselves as, as a normal person. And yeah. at the end of the day, we're, we're all just normal people, you know? 
Yeah. We all deal with the exact same things. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, I had this weird duality of like, like, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know who I was. And it's, it's tough though, because like, I, you know, I think what, what, you know, what jaded me a little bit to looking at other people that I considered friends through the label system and, and, and dealing with like getting signed by a label and then the label, you know, throwing someone, attaching someone to them to like figure out how to market them. I had a friend of mine, uh, just an aside conversation with, with, um, another friend of mine who was at the label and they were like, yeah, we just don't, we just don't know what to do with him. And, <laughs> like, and why I'm don't like, you ask him? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and I watched as like, you know, he was like exactly what you were talking about. Like people just like, here's what you need to be doing. And then like, Oh, and like, and being like, yes, men around him. And then he's just like, all right, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. This is, I'm, I'm on a, I'm, I have a record contract. Right. And then yeah. just spit out the other side of like, yeah, we didn't know what to do with you. So like go on your way now. And then just being completely lost. Like, oh, wow. Like uh, I got dropped by a label. They didn't know what to do with me. Like and, and questioning his, his, you know, how, like, is he good enough basically? And I'm like, it's not your yeah. fault. <laughs> and, and, you know, nothing I can ever say would ever change his mind about him thinking that he's not good enough based on that experience. Yeah. But you know, and that's the thing too. I, I, before, when we start, before we, we got on this podcast, I was telling you about how like I doing this podcast in general was weird for me because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make calls to people that I considered friends over the years, but were they really friends or were they just like, I want yeah. you to play my record. Um, and I think that's what held me back from doing this podcast for so long. Cause I was afraid of that, you know, and then afraid they, of people being like, no, I don't want to do this because it's not like a yeah. radio show and it's not going to do anything for me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's in it for me out of this? Yeah. Um, and which is also why I'm super appreciative of you coming on and doing this for me. Um, uh, because, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I, we have, I have nothing of good memories of talking with you. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just Same here. That was, that was the thing is like, uh, for what it's worth, uh, you, when you came in, they're like, Hey Tommy, can you do this interview with Kaiza? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then we just like organically started talking about nerdy things. <laughs> and then, yeah. I, and then I was like, Oh my God, there's so much fun. And then you ended up doing, uh, your own show on the, on the channel I was working on. And, yeah. um, and then we got to keep talking and hanging out and, uh, and that was, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot more fun. Uh, and, and I was like really disappointed we didn't get to do more of that. Cause I think that's when you ended up you were in New York and then you just bought your house. I think that's when you went to back to Toronto. Yeah. For a while. That was at a time. Actually, what was going on was actually, I was dealing with the exact same from the same thing from the label. Um, the label was deciding that they they had a vision for me, but they had never put any thought into their vision and they actually didn't have a vision. They just wanted to have control over the vision, but they actually didn't want to do any work towards that control over the vision. They just wanted to feel the control. And it was just, really horrible position for me because they were resisting any ideas that I was coming with. And I had tons of ideas. I mean, I had a, I mean, I'm me, I have a vision for who I am. It's not like, I'm not like some character that I'm creating. I'm just me being me. And so right. for somebody to be like, no, this is not our vision for you. And then me to be like, okay, first of all, your job is the business. Like you guys are wearing suits <laughs> and ties and going to work and having meetings and you're not creative right. and this is not your job. So stay out of my business and do your business. You know, like that is their job. They're not creative. These people are not creative minded. They're, they're, there doing like, I'm not saying none of them are, but they're not, they're not going out of their way to find out anything about me as a person. And you know, they haven't 
ask me any questions about my life, what I'm passionate about, what I want to do. They've just created some sort of an idea of what they want me to be without even consulting me, you know? Right. So like, that's not how you go about things. Yeah. And then, but then they started resisting anything. It didn't matter how on point it was. Like, I really did try to work with them. I was like, okay, well, if you're going to resist all house music moving forward, because literally they're like, it's too much like hideaway. Yeah. And then I'd come in with something that was like, not like hideaway. And they'd be like, it's, it's too different. Yeah. And I was like, what do you guys want from me? Like, like I was a songwriter. I can write in different genres, but like they're literally resisted everything. So I was on a point where I realized that this label is not going to let me do anything. They, they really pretty much signed me to collect my money on the song that I built myself with my independent team. Yeah. They signed it. They collected like a bank account. They didn't do anything. Yeah. They didn't listen from that day forward. Cause we, we had an amazing indie indie come up like yeah. my whole team. We, we built that independently. Yeah. And we, we did it. We did that. We knew and we figured it out. And yeah. then it was like, they just completely ignored us after that. Like, like everything we said, they said no. And I was like, how can you, how can you come to an artist that has built themselves, has designed their own brand, you know, yeah. has like built it up all indie, a song that doesn't even, that isn't even sonically like anything out there. It was sort of house. It was sort of EDM, you know? Yeah. And it- just cut through from nothing with zero <laughs> fan base, you know, <laughs> well, in this big way. And then tell them that like, they don't have their, like they can't like then pull away all their control of their vision. Yeah. As if you know what you're doing and like they didn't. And so it was just, yeah, it was a really hard time. I was literally stuck on a shelf Yeah, and I had to fight my way out of that label. And so that was just before the car crash. So it was like, I was getting out of my contract with the label and then I got in the car crash and you know what the, the silver lining of the car, car crash is everybody thought I was done for. Yeah. They're like, well, Kaisa's done. She's got brain damage or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And they're all like, well, we should just drop her. So it be- suddenly became really easy to get out because they're like, well, I mean, what are we going to do moving forward? Like, and they didn't care. They didn't even care that I had a head injury. Like that was the crazy part. And when you're talking about like not knowing who your friends are, yeah. not only like, was it with like on the business side, I realized like, wow, none of these people were my friends because they don't care. Yeah. No one's calling and asking how I'm doing. Yeah. And even a lot of the musicians, and I'm obviously not going to say names, but a yeah. lot of the people that were supposedly my friends, yeah, they wouldn't even, they stopped picking up the phone. Yeah. They didn't care. I had been through a car crash. They, they literally started ignoring me because I was no good to them anymore. Yeah. Because I was not like, I think couldn't capitalize on my momentum Yeah, for their projects. And I'm so against that behavior um, as a musician. Like, yeah. I'm not going to people because I'm like, oh, you you have this much following, so therefore I'm going to use that to build my fan base. I'm like, no, I like your music. Let's collaborate. Yeah. And so on my album coming up, every single feature I have is completely brand new independent artists. That's awesome, though. Because I really want to support indies. Like, it's really yeah. hard to cut through. You know, you almost have to have a hit to get a hit. It's a weird, yeah. a weird situation. And I just want to, like, break that pattern and really just open up the doors to new people and not try to control. Like a lot of people will get independence and then try to sign them for all their worth and collect on them. For me, I'm just like, no, no, I like your music, get on my album. And then here's an open door for you to like make your own decisions and go on your own path. And and that's really noble. But for, and for what it's worth, I think I I always go back to um, Sia had a very similar um, story where, you know, she was famous off of zero seven 
and mm-hmm. she went to the label and, and she recorded her own album, which was very zero seven esque. And then she was like, I want to do pop music. And they're like, yeah, but you're not a pop artist. And she's like, yeah. but I want to do pop. And they're like, you're not a pop artist. And so she was like, well, screw this. And then, you know, when you're supposed to deliver tracks, <clears throat> delivered all pop tracks. And they're like, yeah, we're not doing anything with this. And then just yeah. let her go. And then she went off and then released it on the side. And it was moderate. Out, I mean, outside of the U.S., it did moderately well. But that ended up leading to her doing like Diamonds and all these other tracks yeah. that were became like pop sensations for her as a songwriter. And then yeah. like you end up hearing her her take on like Diamonds is a really great example. Like you well, even hear like her. Titanium came out. Yeah, exactly. Like and and that's away. when suddenly it's like, oh, wow. OK, yeah, she can do pop. Like it's not just like this, like down tempo. <laughs> not only can she do pop, but she, yeah. like, <laughs> she, she do brings a, a unique person. She brings an artistic perspective to pop. Yeah. And so it feels really authentic when you listen to it because exactly. she's, she's coming at it as an artist. Yeah. And that's, I'll, I'll tell you from afar, the one thing I give you a lot of credit for is that you have always, even, even when we first met and you were in that system, you seem to have always done things stylistically your way that <laughs> yeah. like, I remember you were wearing like the first time we met, you were wearing these like gigantic belt buckles that a friend of yours <laughs> like created was it belt buckles or like a chain it was a belt buckle i think you were wearing as uh, a definitely was wearing giant giant trains probably giant belt buckles i mean yes <laughs> i've worn so many crazy out there things in my time yeah i can't remember exactly what i was wearing when, when i came in yeah but, but i mean even like i i went to island with a concept i was like hey i want to make a whole dark fairy tale like halloween series of house music combined with theatrical music yeah and I was like, they're going to love this. Yeah. This is out there. It's like Freddie Mercury meets house yeah. meets like Rocky Horror Picture Show. And it's like the best concept ever. And they yeah. like, I have never felt squashed like a bug so quickly. Yeah. It was just like, no. Yeah. And that's when I broke off and did ha- Phantom of the Dance Floor. Yeah. Independently. And, and I put that out. I made the video before the car crash. I put it out during the car crash because I was just like. I'm going crazy. I need to put something out. And I didn't, I wasn't in a position to like promote it or anything, but I was like that actually that song was a big, a big turning point for me because I was just like, they said, no, we're not going to support this vision. Absolutely not. I literally got a text from the label being like, I think that your vision for yourself is is, um, not aligned with our vision for you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I didn't know that you were me. Oh man! For them to come out like that's the that's like that's the the nuclear bomb for them to be like, yeah, we're not doing this. Yeah, of, and like I was in a session when I was in a session when I got that text. Yeah, and holy cow, that that did my mood ever change? And I was infuriated, and I yeah. literally was like, screw them! I flew back to Toronto the next day. I got a warehouse. I built the set myself for a whole month by hand. Did all the electronics, everything, and just yeah. like. And then I built this whole Frankenstein lab and shot Phantom. And I was like, screw you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're not going to help me do this, I'll do it myself. Whatever it takes, I will build it myself. And yeah, there's actually, so Phantom is going to have a sequel this year. Like this, this dark fairy tale series is happening. Yeah. Whether people want it or not. So <laughs> I'm coming out this year with Dracula. Nice. I'm telling the story of how vampire babies are born. <laughs> I am excited. Are, are Some you gonna people do that? are going to be really uncomfortable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because I mean, I mean, some people have just not taken well to like the idea of a baby being born as a vampire. Let me yeah. just put that out there. But 
I'm really excited about this one. But you do things, <laughs> just, you do your, you do things your way and that's, that's yeah. noble. Um, and it has like, it's like, um, it has all these reoccurring characters, like every time, like it's all the same characters, but they come back as like different people. Like first we're in Frankenstein lab. Now all yeah. the characters from Phantom of the Dance Floor are now back. Only they're now in the in the setting of Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like the lips have fangs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, yeah. So it's and then from there I have like I already know the next one I want to do. I could talk to you for hours, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to keep you any longer and uh um and maybe we'll just do this again. Whether it's on a podcast or not, we could just keep catching up. I should have I should start my podcast with you, you should. on it. <laughs> I'll help you. Oh, now I can help you get it all set up now. We can, now that we've gotten the rule logistics. I'd love that. Yeah. I'd love to really like tilt it towards like just people, like people's ideas of how like they can really give back to the world. And yeah, you know, I was thinking of that because I always get so, so excited. Like I met this guy who's devoting his life to basically preserving bears. Really? And he just was like, it was like the, the, the bear version of the, of like Steve Irwin. You yeah. Know? And he was just like so passionate and just talking to him made me passionate. And I was like, wow, I have to devote my life to bears. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I need to, I need more people to talk to this guy. And I was like, wow, there's probably so many of these passionate people out in the world that I could talk to and just get people excited about, about just finding their own little niche that they can give back to. Cause people don't have to give to everything. You don't have to do every single thing. You just have to find a little thing that yeah. you're passionate about and just give back a little bit in a, in a small way. And all the small efforts will have a big reaction. So, yeah. And I was just like, that'd be really cool for people to just like find a lot of these different people through a podcast. Yeah. Well, you should, yeah. because I think it'd be really fitting for you and you're a blast to talk to. So thank you. You are too, Tommy. Um, but thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, I can't thank you enough for doing it again. And uh, it's always fun talking nerdy stuff with you and I'm assuming <laughs> we're going to end up doing this again, again, like I said, whether we're gonna it's have to, cause we're barely, we're barely starting this conversation. I know. I know. All right. So I'll have to, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you're coming back on. We'll figure it out at some point. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, Kaiser, thank you. Thank you, Tommy. You're the best. And, uh, whenever these borders open up again and I'm back in New York, which is soon, yeah. Oh, you have oh, a sh- sh- you're going to be here. I already about- I looked it up. I did my show prep. You're going to be in New York yeah. City later this year. If I mean I'm assuming that's still yeah, going to be we're, coming. We're hoping. I and mean, the biggest issue right now is cuz like borders might open up soon. Yeah. But we're the question is is will people actually go into a venue together? Yeah. Cuz I'm I'm touring with Lindsay Sterling and she's got this massive audience. Yeah. Um, she's touring arenas. Yeah. Will will people feel safe enough to go into an arena right now during this yeah. time and I don't know. I'm just like hoping everything flatlines by then and people will. Yeah. I haven't even put my show together. Like we had all this show prep, but you know, you have, it's a big investment to prepare a show. Yeah. So it's for it to be canceled. So we're like literally sitting here in limbo. Like what are we, what's going on? What's going to happen? So I'm hoping, I'm just hoping it does happen and everything does align. Yeah. But either way I will be in New York because um, another thing I didn't mention is I wrote a whole musical. I, I read about that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, Chris Malinchek and I. Yes. Okay. I did. So, I did read this. I think Billboard printed it. Printed it right. Or yeah, I think they mentioned it. it. Yeah. So while I was sick and recovering, I just all these visions of a musical came to me, and I just kept manifesting this story and writing little tidbits down. And once I had the whole outline of the story together, yeah. I came and like 
and actually Chris was, uh, like, he's just such a good friend of mine. And yeah. I kept mentioning the story and the ideas I had. And then we started writing music even before I had finished the story. And we had yeah. all these like little demos and we're like, wow, this is amazing. And then I brought in a book writer who just wanted to do it. And it's just become this incredible musical. It's so good. Yeah. Like the people that came on board. And so it's basically, it's done. The first draft is done. But so we're now onto the second draft where we're like making some characters bigger and giving more songs to people that like we yeah. figured out where it needs to be developed. So I'll be back there for like probably at least a solid week, just working on the musical soon. As soon All as right. I can get back with him, you should totally come by the studio. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, as long yeah. as I'm allowed out of the house, I'll do it. You should interview him. Yeah. yeah. You should interview him in his studio. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, oh, that's, I mean, this, this musical is going to be one of the best things I ever put out. It's, I'm so excited about it. It's, yeah. It's like, it's my baby. I'll be there for all the shows and the show, the, if, if the tour actually happens, which I'm hoping it does, I think you're at Radio City in New York, which I, I was super excited to be able to come see you at Radio City. I know. And guess what? Like I'm, I was hoping to launch this new instrument that I'm so excited about and start rocking it live. It looks like a, a, a dwarf electric guitar. <laughs> But it really is. A, it's an electric ukulele. We have, we have, you have to come back on the show so we can, you can talk more about this again. Cause I, I, this I just, is and its name threads. is, its name is Fred the beast. <laughs> and I want to, and I'm going to slay Fred the beast. All right. The electric ukulele. I'm literally putting electric ukulele on the map and I want kids to be like, mom, I need yeah. an electric ukulele for Christmas. It's my only goal with this <laughs> to like, to be the first electric ukulele rock star. That's so. going to be, yeah, that's going to put you on the map. That's that, that's what it was. Their whole career le leads up to I know. That. It was just all coming down to Fred the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of Fred the Beast. You can post Fred the Beast on your, okay. on your website or whatever. He's, he's awesome. He's so cute. I'm excited for that. So Fred the Beast was going to launch during this. And I, I, I have to say this quarantine has made me, my practice schedule, not as good as it should be. So I'm working that out, but. But now you can, <laughs> you can just, you can like really master Fred the Beast. I know you'd think so, but then it's like stroke. It's hard in your own house to like, when you're in the same room all the time to motivate yeah. yourself. So, but now I'm, I'm creating schedules. I'm yeah. creating like workout schedules and all this stuff to get myself back on track. But Fred, the beast is coming back and cool. I'll send you pictures. I'm looking send you some to videos it. too. I want to see it in person. So, so I'm, cool. I'm still, my, my fingers are crossed for that. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. You will, you will definitely meet Fred Cool. in person. <laughs> You can have the first private interview with Fred. He will answer. He will answer only in music, and it will be for you to interpret. I like that. That'll be like it's. It's going to be a uh, experimental interview. The first interview with an with a ukulele with yeah. a live instrument, and it's up to you to decide what the answers are. You have to find it within your soul. You're always so creative. You're always so just breaking boundaries and trying new things. That's just. It's just fun, right? It's like, yeah. It's fun. I've been trying to get, maybe the, you'll want to do this as me. I've been trying to get all my friends to learn Morse code and just talk to me only in Morse code. <laughs> I have literally like Tommy. Hold on. Listen. Oops, I'm stuck. Look, I'm sitting here and beside me, I'm literally holding like a Morse code machine. Wait, wait. I, I tried finding, I tried finding like an app to do that and it's like impossible. Just so you know, there's no, there's no good apps for nope. Morse code, like in terms of communicating. And actually I have developed an app in my mind. That's perfect. Yeah. It's actually so brilliant that I just know it will go viral only because of what, it, what the possibilities are surrounding it. I will tell you this. I will explain this to you later over the phone, because <laughs> honestly, I'm like looking for people to come together on this Morse code app. 
but it's <laughs> yeah. So if you want to join my Morse code group, but I, I, I should tell you about this app because I really think it's yeah. Well, I think because it's like the missing link because it's also it'll also force me if you if you start like communicating with me in Morse code is going to force me to learn Morse code to read and communicate back. <laughs> it's super easy. All you need to know is the alphabet. Yeah, but it's the dot. Like I, I don't know. I, I, I have my brain can't fit all that stuff. I have aphasia, which <laughs> I can't remember like nouns of things. So I, I feel like that's going to end up fit into the category. But I'll try. I'll try for you. Yeah, you pick it up. I mean, you can have like you can even have the chart beside you when you're learning. I still yeah. bring it out because I mean, I, I have to. I was a, like a naval communicator in the Navy. So I know. Oh, so I, you're I used scratching the surface again. We're, we're, I can yeah. keep unraveling and talk to you so more. So I used to communicate in Morse code and it. Honestly, when you need to do it, when it's just when you just start doing it, it just pick it up really fast. Yeah. Um, but but you can also just have the chart in front of you and at first and you you, you eventually just it just becomes second nature. So yeah. but I'm definitely dusting myself off and trying to pick it up again. I just need people to do it with. Yeah. <laughs> Consistently. Like they're all like, yeah, I'll do this. And then they just don't. Well, I will learn more. So, I will learn Morse code for you. I can do that. Thank you. That means a lot. Do that. I'm going to hold you to that. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I will do it. I, I, that's what I'm saying when I, when I say like, if you forcefully like are like, I'll text you, but it's going to be in Morse code, then it's going to force me to like have to read the Morse code and then figure out how to Morse code back. <laughs> so you should just start doing that to friends. But like, look, this is, this is who I am. This is I'm what I'm doing only, now. So I'm only communicating through Morse code. Yeah, exactly. I'll just get my machine. I'll just be like, <laughs> Send me just audio notes of just the Morse code and I have to <laughs> yeah, like listen to it no and decode choice. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm going to wrap this up because we can keep going forever. But thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Tommy. You're the best. I miss you. I can seriously talk to Kaisa for hours. Uh, I promise she'll have to come back on the podcast at some point. Uh, huge thanks to Kaiser for coming on the podcast. Thank you to her team for helping me set this up as well. Uh, if you aren't subscribed to the 128 podcast, go do that right now. Uh, anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, or 128podcast.com. I am Tommy West. I'll see you next week.